just this digital shift over the past, you know, 10-15 years is is really driving us. And mm-hmm. what we're seeing is online sales in the B2B area last year for the people who were really invested in B2B, they went up close to 18%. I'm Steven Spears and this is The Future The Future of The Future of Customer Engagement and Experience Podcast. Welcome As always, we're presented by thefutureofcommerce.com, where you can find a bunch of great articles and thought leadership on everything customer experience or customer engagement related. Now, this episode is actually the first episode of our new Commerce Reimagined series. These episodes are dedicated entirely to analysis on all things commerce. Why would we do that? Well, the world is gravitating toward e-commerce for a variety of reasons. Convenience, necessity in many cases today, profit margins, growth potentials, whatever the reason is, this creates new opportunities and challenges for commerce leaders in every single industry. So we'll be gathering experienced commerce leaders and experts to share their best practices and insights on key topics to bring you informative, educational, and even motivational information to help you drive your commerce business. To kick off the series, we're tackling the topic of digital commerce and B2B operations. People across the world responsible for business-to-business operations are facing the challenge to consumerize, going from a transactional mindset to an experiential. Phone, fax, email, was those three were like the common uh, ways of doing business. That started to really shift to a much more self-service, more automated ways. That's our guest today, Aperva Pangam, also known as AP, principal at Deloitte. He's been focused on consumerizing B2B operations for a few years now. When you say couple, it's 14 years. So uh, (laughs) it's been been a, a long time consultant here. I actually went to school for a customer experience and a human computer interaction design. AP and I cover what this transition from transactional to experiential looks like, the benefits and challenges of consumerizing and the role e commerce plays in this, and then steps you can take today, no matter where you are in the process. Hope you enjoy. I am curious from your side, AP, uh, have you always gone by that? Like, did you decide by that nickname or? I, I did decide the nickname, but it was uh, quite interesting. Actually, on one of my first B2B projects, this is very uh, apropos for a B2B podcast, right? <laughs> um, on on my, one of my very first B2B projects, a uh, life sciences company, uh, on, on the same day, two Aperva P's from my company basically joined the same project on the same day. Uh, which is ironic because a purva in in the Indian language actually means unique. Oh, <laughs> so 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 I, I I being the customer experience guy and you know just wanted to make it as easy as possible. I decided to go by AP, and it's yeah. kind of stuck since then for the last ten years. Uh, I noticed uh, from your LinkedIn profile uh, that you've been at Deloitte for you know a couple years now. You know, kind of gotten <laughs> a feel for it. I'm curious within Deloitte and just your career in general, how you got involved in B2B. I actually focused first on the retail and worked with a couple of the large sort of mega retail giants uh, in my career. I'm uh, doing a lot of e-commerce and uh, e-commerce and self-service, really driving uh, that in sort of the tip of the spear. Retail typically tends to be, uh, you know, at the tip of the spear. But for me. Through serendipity, as, as all consulting has it, um, I got put on a project that was uh, B2B, but really focused on B2B consumerization. And 
my goal out there was to enhance the customer experience and improve the customer experience for this company. That in a lot of ways was on the leading edge of things. They were really focused on enhancing their B2B experience, making it as much self-service as possible. In, in, the, in the 15, 16, around that time, B2B really started taking off. So that was kind of my first foray, but it set me up really well with uh, that customer experience background uh, to really you know, think about what's that next gen B2B going to look like. So would you say to go along with you know, the, the customer experience background, having that retail background as well helped transitioning into the B2B side of things? Yeah, absolutely. My mantra for B2B is it's going from transactional to experiential. Mm -hmm. And retail was already starting to think about the customer experience. So kind of taking that background, bringing that background together, um, whereas B2B is is still very transact, was still very transactional back in the day. This is, you know, everyone's still doing phone fax, you know, picking up uh Picking up the phone to place an order um, and, and email was th- those three were like the common uh, ways of doing business. That started to really shift to a much more um, self-service, more automated ways. Um, and uh, the 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 other day, uh, I had a conversation with a client the other day, and, and one of the, their their thing was like, "Yeah, our our customers in Europe are asking for EDI finally." And we're like, wait, what, what, what are you talking about? EDI is 30 years old and it's, <laughs> it's not the technology that you should be saying is your next gen. Yeah, that, that's funny you mentioned faxing because I'm guessing that does still go on, which is fascinating. Do you see the traditional B2B experience still being mostly transactional or? Yeah, um, I, you know, there's, I, I always look at it in two camps. There's sort of the leaders um, of the pack who are really starting to take you know, B2B to an experience standpoint, and they're really creating these self-service experiences. There's the folks who are doing that well today, but that's a very small percentage. And, you know, there's the larger percentage who are still focused on transactions. And I know it's, I would call it very still electronic transactions, so with like EDI and stuff. Mm But I think that they, they haven't really moved over to the next gen systems. They, they haven't moved over to really, you know, things that are marketing experience and commerce driven. They, they really still think of it as just a commerce based transaction. And all of us are really used to a, a very consumerized, you know, in behavior and interaction every moment of our lives. And when they come to work to interact with these B2B systems, all of a sudden it's a it's a pretty bad interaction, right? And, and it's impacting their perception of the brand. It's impacting the perception of who they're doing business with. And I think if you think about that, the, the, the goal is you are going to have to at least consumerize to make sure you're kind of keeping par with the rest of the ecosystem that a lot of us are, um, are, are facing in the non-work hours and the other you know, 16 hours per days. And the more easy we make it for finding, you know, searching and the ability to, you know, place orders as well as um, understand the, the loyalty aspect of it, the, the, you know, the self-service aspect of it, things like knowing where my order is. Um, a lot of times I, I still have, you know, clients who, who said, who say that, yeah, they've got to call in to customer service to know the order status. Jeez. So, I mean, think about that. If, if that was happening on Amazon, right, you, you wouldn't be. <laughs> You, you wouldn't be uh, too, too happy about it. So again, consumerization is fundamentally happening and it's not just happening with you know, B2B, it's happening everywhere. So I just think it's time that, that transactional and that 
experiential relationship with your clients and with your customers is is um is enhanced i like that the the word consumerize because I, I hadn't really heard that before from the consumerization side uh are there any like examples you can think of from just clients you've worked with on making that transition from being more transactional into the experiential side are there any specific examples that really jump out at you uh to really paint that picture yeah, I let me give you an example of uh, one of my um, their life sciences client, and mm-hmm. you know one one of the key drivers for them um, five years ago. Again, going back to sort of that early adopter mentality around this, uh, five years ago, their goal was to really drive what that cumulative experience is going to look like, and it's really across the marketing, sales, and service. And how do you really look at all those three as part of the commercial construct? Uh, and how do you really make that that next gen? How do you take that to the next level? And I think one of the, the right things that they did was, you know, really focus on it as an incremental behavior, not just you can't change the entire thing in, on day one. Uh, and it's not a, a one year transformation that you can just get everything done in. So what was really smart was to do it in an incremental manner where you focused on you know getting your marketing basics, getting your content basics, because people as you start attracting customers to you, you want to make sure that you have the right content, you have the right uh, ways of um, talking to them globally across, you know, across the world. And the second step of that was improving the transaction itself, making sure that the transaction was as easy, it was as should it should be as easy as one click checkout, right? Um, and I know it's B two B, and you know, I've, I've we've heard from others where but B2B is accounts and B2B is, is very you know, organizational and hierarchical in terms of the organizations. Yeah, but we've got to understand who the customer personas are. We've got to understand who, the, um, who are you serving when they come to your website. Um, and really approaching them uh, from whatever time they come to your site, whatever choice of device they come to your website from, it doesn't matter. You have to be able to help serve the content, the marketing, as well as the the, um, the transaction as well. And, and then the last part of it where, they, where this company really focused on over the past couple of years was how do you improve that service aspect? How do you make customer service easy, tech service easy, support easy, um, and, and really give customers information when they want it, where they want it? So it, it's a journey. It's an incremental journey. And you know, for those who are wanting to go down that, that path, I think you've got to rapidly assess first and foremost where you stand and you're likely going to fall in two camps. One is a reasonably being a neophyte, getting into that area, getting into B2B, reasonably new. So it's your fax phone is still predominant, right? That, that's when you need like a, a real, you know, hard look and understand, you know, what are some of the incremental areas, but still covering all those three areas across marketing, sales, and service and improving them, you know, raising that level first and foremost up to at least a, uh, a parity level with with the industry, and then on the other hand, you've got your you know the early adopters who are already very deeply down that journey, and for them, it's really about how do you look at um, you know marketing optimization, you know closed loop marketing, talking about account based marketing, and really looking at how marketing as well as loyalty in this in this lead to loyalty framework. How how do you really take that and maximize the the, the throughput and and really uh, understand, you know, where, where the consumer is spending time, where the consumer is spending money, and then deepening um, their interactions with you. And eventually, you know, your, your, your business, so you're increasing customer lifetime value at the end of the day as well. 
I like that approach of the, the incremental side, because especially, I mean, if you think about like a golf game, if you're deciding I'm going to go become a better golfer, you don't go out and immediately practice driving, using your irons, putting, and just go nuts because you're not going to get anywhere. It's you learn how to drive better. And then once you're a better driver, you get, you kind of take that step. Uh, so I, I, I love that kind of advice on that side. Uh, does this transition have to be this big leap or does starting with smaller changes still make a difference? Small changes will make a, a huge difference to really? start. <laughs> if, if you, um, you know, if, if you, if you're not doing it at all, uh, it, it's like, uh, I, I like your example of golf, but it's kind of like the first day you can't, you can't choose to go run a 5k. You, know, you, you, have, you have a couch, you have a couch to 5k, right? You, yeah. You, you got to start with getting off the couch. And um, I, I think when you think about it that way, yeah, even that small difference to start with just providing real time order status, for example, in, you know, in a B2B transactional environment, providing real time order status back to your customer, um, you know, knowing when the order is going to get shipped, knowing when it's going to get delivered, um, because it actually hacks the customer on the other side. The customer needs to know when um, they're going to get the item and then how is that going to impact their workflow of whatever they're doing for their business, right? Uh, in life sciences, especially uh, an industry that I deal in a lot, a, a researcher needs to know, you know, when am I going to get that consumable um, so mm-hmm. that I can run my test or I can run my experiment. And and that could mean, you know, the the... Uh, the difference between solving for a massive disease, um, cancer, COVID, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, it could be helping solve for certain issues in a much faster manner. That's a great point. So how has this whole idea and shift impacted sales? Is there a, a noticeable difference? Yeah, yeah. look, I mean, we, we've talked a lot about how just this digital shift over the past you know, 10, 15 years is, is really driving us. And what we're seeing is online sales in the B2B area. Last year, for the people who were really invested in B2B, they went up close to 18% that I read in a recent report. Wow. And when the industry grew like maybe 2%, the online sales are are growing massively. And that is a hard data testament to the fact that you need to be investing in this. Um, This is not a... Uh, let's go invest in this just because, you know, it's the next shiny object or it's the next new thing that we got to go do. Um, it's really important that uh, th- that data guides you and that e- even when you are really looking around building that roadmap, building that journey for yourself, it's pretty critical that you are setting those KPIs, setting those data measurements, you know, as you go along this journey. Because data will drive not only your business case and the efficacy of what you're doing and showing you that it's correct or not, and the ability to then navigate and pivot you know, reasonably quickly, be nimble, agile, uh, reasonably quickly through, through this process. You mentioned being agile. Uh, that's a term that I'll, I'll admit I hear pretty regularly. Uh, what does having that agility really mean, though? Yeah, I, you know, going back to the couch to 5K, when... If you, yeah. if you, you know, kind of, if you've got a sprain, you've got to take a moment, take, you know, set back and, and plan for how you get back to that, what, wherever you are getting to. So in an agile manner, what's important is, yeah, you've got to break things down into reasonable chunks. Think, think incrementally, but think what's going to be really, as you're, you know, launching things to the to your customers, you've got to understand what are those areas that will make the most impact. 
think ROI, think what's driving revenue, think what's driving the experience. And not just a, hey, we do this today, so we should be doing it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, unless, you know, you're making massive amounts of uh, revenue doing certain things. Just because you're doing something today, it doesn't have to be you're doing it tomorrow. And I think that's, an, that's a shift in, or a change in, in how businesses behave. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the successful ones really kind of toss the baggage, um, so to say, when they're moving from one you know, to the other. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that comes back to systems, right? Not, not all systems that you're, you're building need to have the same baggage as the old systems that you had. I'm glad you brought up systems because uh, in my mind, that's an equally important part of the transition. You know, it, it's hard to get to that 5K, for example, if you don't have good running shoes. Any advice when it comes to systems and platforms specifically? So yeah, I, I've, I've obviously worked across uh, technology fluent across uh, several platforms. And I think it's important that um, the, the businesses are considering the right platforms. They're considering the right things where um, there's a lot of um, data interoperability these days, as well as system interoperability. So make sure you're keeping that in mind, you know, as you're taking that journey into whatever technology platforms you're selecting. First business, you know, focus on what you need to drive for the business. But second, when you're picking the right platform, you know, to drive those interactions, you've got to make sure that you're not just adding technical debt onto the other systems. And this is where business and IT, you know, the CIO and the CMO really work together uh, to define that agenda. It's not a one-sided agenda. It's really mm -hmm. a um, it, it's for, for the best of the company and, and digital is, you know, is not just a business thing or an IT thing. I think it's really where everyone is driving towards, you know, elevating their customer experience, elevating the human experience for them. Yeah. I, I do want to backtrack real quick for a second because I think it's important now that we've gotten this understanding of the situation and, and ways that we can address it. Um, you had mentioned that most companies really fall into two categories in your mind, the leaders who are very experiential and the rest who are still very transactional. Uh, what are ways to self-assess where you're at in that situation or on that spectrum? Yeah. Um, one of the fastest ways typically is, you know, you know, taking again, going back to and taking a financial view as well as taking a brand view, right? I think both, both those areas um, are, are areas we help with. Um, the first one uh, in the financial view is take a look at your channels, like look all the various channels that you're getting orders from and customers are coming to you from, um, and just do a percentage and understand where your digital channels really lie. So if you are five, ten percent and doing really very little business online with your customers, it's probably you know that's that's a very telling factor. Um, and whether it's uh, you know, mobile, you know, mobile, social and, and, and desktop doesn't matter these days, really. It's, mm -hmm. it's any device that's digital, any touch point that's digital. Um, on the other hand is the brand aspect, right? And we do, we do brand valuations, you know, understanding how, how, how the brand is perceived by consumers. Are, are consumers saying it's hard to do business with you? Is it really hard to find information on your website or, you know, on your, or your mobile app? Um, if it's, if, it, if that's the case, um, again, that, that impacts your customer experience and you can pretty reasonably tell um, and understand where you kind of lie in that scale, um, especially also with the competitors. So helping do a competitive analysis and seeing where you lie in that platform, uh, sorry, on that um, spectrum. 
and, and making sure, you know, setting your goal as to where do you want to be on that spectrum. I think that's an equally mm-hmm. important factor. Uh, you know, I, I can't, again, it's not the, I can't go do everything day one. Um, I, we have to take those, that incremental approach to, to improvement and enhancement. Absolutely. So uh, since this is the future of customer engagement and experience podcast, we have to find out what you think about the future. So I'm kind of curious to end on what your thoughts are and what you're forecasting for the B2B operations when it comes to customer experience going forward. Yeah, sure. So, you know, coming out of COVID and and coming out of, um, you know, as, as people are getting on the path to recovery, um, I, I think one of the first things is the ability to rapidly understand and respond to your customer. And we talked about the, the, the no touch, almost the, you know, the self-service aspect of it online being very critical. Um, so whether it's through, you know, I, I know if you, you might say that we've got large configurable products, so it has to be a very high touch conversation. Um, I, I don't think that's the excuse anymore because there's fantastic tools like CPQs and, and marketplaces that are allowing these B2B companies to go drive, you know, be there where and, and meet your customer where they are. Um, the, the the forecast is is quite telling right now, you know, just looking at last year to this year, um, looking at that 18% increase year over year. Uh, and this was from one of the reports I recently read around B2B. So w- when I consider that, the I, I can't talk about percentages in, in terms of the forecast, but what we're seeing are clear signs that if you are mature, you are definitely reaping the reward of it. If you're not mature today, um, there are tools around today that, you know, can enable your commerce fast. You can get, you know, get up and running fast today and, and have that channel going. Um, we, in fact, have launched our fast commerce um, part of our practice. And I know that we've, we've also helped a lot of customers get on to a, a much rapid approach in terms of um, responding to a, a, a situation like this. Uh, what's important is that we are not just focused on the quote-unquote traditional way of doing things, but it's really about um, how how quickly can you build that brand, that that value, where it's easy easy to do business with you, and that's that's the key focus. So coming out of this, really, everyone needs to think about how easy you are to do business with your customers, and um, if you know, going back to it, if you're not really feeling that. You're, you're easy to do business with, whether it's through your brand, whether it's through your channel strategy today. Really think about that. Think about how you can really go focus on in, improving that. What are some of those key areas um, that you should be targeting? That's Aperva Pangham, principal at Deloitte. Thanks for joining us, AP. If you want to learn more about commerce's role in the transformation of B2B customer experience, just check out the show notes where you can find a link to a Harvard Business Review report on transforming B2B customer experience. Also, if this episode was useful for you, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can receive notifications as new episodes of the Commerce Reimagined series are released. I'm Steven Spears, and this is the Future of Customer Engagement and Experience podcast. See you next time.